Hey, hello. Oh, we're gonna do the thing. We're gonna do the thing all. We're gonna do hour. the thing, which is the Media Boat Podcast final podcast year end wrap up episode of 2019. Hello, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us here for our year end wrap up extravaganza. If you're following, first of all, the Media Boat Podcast is a podcast. That's dedicated to bringing you news and thoughts about the video games, movies, television shows, and music albums uh, in the world. Not necessarily in that order, but we have been doing our 2019 shows. Is what I was trying to get to. Uh, (laughs) A year in review. Yeah, and uh, so far we've given you our favorite. Uh stories and television shows of the year we've given you our favorite albums and stories in the music world of the year we've also given you our favorite video games and stories of the video game world of the year and last but definitely not least in our hearts especially for uh uh good co-host mike here hi um is movies Yes. We have yet to talk about the biggest movie stories of the year. And boy, were they pretty big. And our top five favorite movies of the year. And boy, were they pretty favorite. So, uh, if you're not familiar with our setup of how we do these year-end wrap-up shows, basically this is how it works. The first half of the show, we will recap the year that was in the world of movies. January to our current month of December. I'll take about the first hour of the show. But... After we're done wrapping up the news stories, we will and crown one news story to rule them all. Yes, one news story that encapsulates 2019 for movies. For movies, and then after that, our second half of the show, we will go in dive into our top five lists of our favorite movies of the year. Asterisk, because I did not see that many movies this year, probably six. So thus, I just cannot really make a top five favorites. Well, you, you so have instead, a top five. So instead, my movie, my list will be five movies I saw this year, minus one extra movie that I saw this year. And how you would rank them. <laughs> and, and, and they'll be loosely ranked. They're not loosely ranked. necessarily ranked in, like, in quality because, yeah, I don't because know. Because quality. Because if I had seen enough movies, I don't know if a lot of these movies would be on a top five list. But uh, we'll get there later. Uh, for now, let's start the first half of the show by going in to our time machine here and talking about what happened throughout the year in movies. And that starts in the month of January. The month of January? The month of January. January 2019. Ooh, well, back in January 2019, uh-huh. uh, we had Warner Brothers exercising its rights to buy the... Rat Pack Dune Library for $300 million. That would be Brett Ratner's uh, production studio. Right. Brett Ratner, who of course had, uh, let's say, a rough 2018. Uh, Definitely. (laughs) Um, Those films included Gravity, Wonder Woman, Batman v Superman, Lego Movie, Creed, Godzilla, Mad Max, It, Dunkirk. Good movies to have under the Warner roof so that way a terrible man doesn't make money off of them anymore. Mm-hmm. And we also have the announcement of Christopher McQuarrie returning to uh, film the next Mission Impossible series. Right. As well as uh, the Top Gun film, I believe. Oh, no, that's Tom Cruise signing on for the Top Gun Maverick film. Ah. And I'm going to put this as one of the big stories. Okay. Of, uh, really early, maybe not. Okay. Just, just to... 
special honorable mention okay. of Lee Unkirk leaving Pixar after 25 years. Yeah, that was kind of a, a, a minor thing. I mean, it, it was a kind of in a series of people leaving uh, Pixar. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, it made sense. I mean, he was saying that he wanted to spend more time with his family. Yeah. Uh, we also had the whole Ryan Singer Bohemian Rhapsody basically wrap up as we got into award season because it constantly got awarded. But he was no longer around. He, again, uh, and rightfully so, uh, because of his own a- accusations. Mm-hmm. Not too dissimilar from the Brent Ratner accusations. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that was uh, an interesting time. Also, not, uh, not a very good movie. Yeah. Um, we also had the first instance of what I'm, I'm going to actually nominate for okay. uh, Story of the Year as we get into February. Which is the WGA talks with yes. between the Association of Talents agents. We did briefly talk about this in television, as it did uh, is a story that affected both of those uh, both of those medias. Yes. Uh, well, back in February, when they had the new deal was being negotiated, we had mentioned that talks are going pretty well until At they weren't. <laughs> At first, uh, yeah, because. It was supposed. It was expiring on April sixth, so that's why they're doing it in February. Yeah, and somewhere between those two months, they just uh, got out of hand, or new things were brought to the table that weren't discussed before. Yeah, I won't say who brought up what side or who's right, but the writers are right. <laughs> sure. Yes. yes. So, yeah. Of course. We yeah, like I said, we already kind of went over this. What ended up happening to this uh, in the television. Uh, episode there. Right. And that brings us to the Academy Awards of this year. It did. So Oscar uh, 2019 was, man, such a disappointment. Yes. Let's recap that Green Book yes. is your best picture of the year. Inexplicably. Because Roma yes. was a Netflix film. And yeah, and ever since then I've had like uh, concerns regarding uh, Netflix being a real player in the Oscar race. And this kind of was the source of that. And, like, throughout the year, I mean, we've heard rumblings that of what the Academy and people involved in the Academy were doing or not doing to uh, prohibit this from happening again. So we'll see. Right, but we also have stories of what Netflix is doing yes. to make sure their films meet the minimum requirements to be nominated. Right. It was a recurring story throughout the year, uh, for sure, uh, as we kind of get more and more used to this new world we live in where streaming studios are actual players in the movie world. Mm-hmm. This will be an evolving story, as I'm sure, as we go into 2020. Oh, yeah. Uh, that brings us into March, moving yes. right along here. And a movie, I'm not sure if you saw or not, may not be on your list, but okay. Captain Marvel. See, I keep forgetting that was this year. Yes. I did see that movie. Okay. Uh, that I saw um, about... Let's say three months after release. I saw it in the summer. Uh, I, no, further than that. I saw it in July when I went up to visit my dad okay. in Washington. Uh, we watched it on On Demand. Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, I liked it. Uh, it's definitely not one of the best Marvel movies. It kind of probably is somewhere in the middle of the pack, I would say. Okay. A lot of cool moments, though, and I like Captain Marvel as a character. Yeah. Do you remember all the uh, controversy with Brie Larson and... Um, basically all the interviews she was doing with predominantly white males and how she 
made the offhand comment that she'd like to see a female interviewer at some point, yeah. and everyone got all up in arms about it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the good thing about Brie Larson is that she wasn't going to kind of put up with any of the the BS that was being presented mm-hmm. to her in interviews and stuff, and that was really refreshing to see. She's got a good head on her shoulders. She really, throughout the whole kind of experience, was very tempered and very uh, uh, put together and knew what she was talking about throughout. I mean, this kind of also couples with another recurring story that we uh, also briefly mentioned, or actually we briefly mentioned in video games, about review bombs. Yes. And how major websites were trying to tackle that the best they could. Because, yes, there were plenty of review bombing going on for uh, Captain Marvel. Right, especially leading up to it where the film hadn't been officially released. Right, yes. Pre-release review bombing was a problem for sure. Yep. But that's okay, because Captain Marvel opened to $455 million worldwide. <laughs> yes, it did really well. and pr- I think it hit a billion, right? Yeah, it definitely did. It yeah. proved further that that if you don't, if it, yeah, if your casting goes beyond just white males, like, turns out people will see your movie. Yeah. Uh, so, I, um, I guess I'll talk about it here. I listened to it with commentary on, because yeah. Disney Plus, I was like, oh, yeah, this is still a good film. Yeah, it's yeah. not the best, it's but it's definitely like right there. I, I put middling between ten and fifteen. Yeah, ish. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like might crack the back. top ten depending Maybe. on who you ask. Maybe. Yeah. And, I mean it, uh, that that. But that's like in a twenty film, twenty right. film span. It's, it's still, still pretty good. Top half. That's still pretty good. Yeah. And um, it does have a scene where you get to watch her beat people up uh, with uh, no doubt playing, which is pretty cool. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, well, let's just stay in the Marvel world for yeah, a little bit. Uh, because we also had the announcement of James Gunn returning to direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yeah, after all the kind of the controversy of the previous year, uh, where he was, uh, I guess, uh, Disney had seen some um, uh, tweets from 10 years ago and basically listened to some internet trolls and got him pulled from the project. This was his triumphant return, where he would be sure to return for uh, Galaxy uh, Guardians of the Galaxy three. Right, where he was welcomed back with open yeah. arms, just like I said he was going to yeah. be. And flash forward to later in the in the year, where uh, after the after Endgame kind of established the current uh, status of Guardians mm-hmm. and their team, and I think people are way more now now even more excited for a James Gunn directed Guardians three. Uh, with Thor and the whole whole gang. Yep. Uh, let's move over to DC real quick. And Warner Brothers has... Yes. They had their studio CEO, Kevin Tusi Harja. Whoa. Bless me. Wow. Sujihara. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Sujihara <laughs> stepping down. Yeah. Um, after he was alleged to get his mistress a role in several films. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, um, but you know that left the DCEU up in arms, and um, who did we get to replace them? I, I don't know if we reported on that. No, no, we definitely did. Uh, I Peter Roth, um, I think. Wait, no, maybe it was Toby Emmerich. I don't know. We'll yeah, get there. We'll get there. <laughs> oh no, no, no! It was uh, James Wan. Oh, right. James Wan and his production company were basically going to take over the DCEU. Fast and Furious, um, is it? Right, after the (laughs) sets of Aquaman that it was. Yeah, yeah. 
No, that's good hands from what I understand. Yep. Uh, let's see. Then we also had... Da, 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 well, just small stories here and there as okay. we move into April with uh, Vancouver Animation. You know, the company behind Sausage Party? Yeah. Well, we had the ruling on that finally where workers were entitled to receive overtime for that film and had to pay five hundred, an additional 500 fine per person. Yeah. Yeah. It also um, got Vancouver to... Basically start a union, or basically the unionization of VFX and or gaming studios to kind of band together. Yeah, which is good, uh, because man, did it need those, that industry need it. I mean, recently we saw the major uh, visual effects company that worked on movies such as The Lion King remake, mm-hmm. uh, Detective Pikachu, and the upcoming Sonic the Hedgehog completely shut down yeah. because it couldn't afford to keep operating. So yeah, VFX studios definitely uh, need it more than uh, more than you think. Mm-hmm. We also have the, the departure of Gary Sanchez Productions. Yeah. With Will Ferrell and McKay mutually splitting up. Uh, Not much to say about that. I mean, no, didn't uh, seem like that affected many projects and works. No, but it just it was the basically the temple that Adam McKay is going to start doing more dramas now. <laughs> yeah. More than he was originally Hey, he doing. likes those Oscar noms, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he likes getting that Oscar-nominated director. For sure, yeah. Trying to get that Oscar-winning director. Uh, let's see. Uh, we also had uh, WGA negotiations again. This time they got stalemated. Yeah. Right before they were going to... Uh, yeah, this is uh, April. Right before they were about to hit. And then we have the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Science, uh, vote on two new rules. Yeah, this was following, of course, the, the, some of the talk amongst uh, the, the, the Oscars from a month or a couple of months before. Yeah, um, the new rules state that a film must screen in L.A. for a minimum of seven days with at least three screens per day in order to be eligible for the Academy Awards. Yeah. And also that films released on streaming flat platforms on or after the first uh, day uh, are still eligible to qualify. Yeah. And then other changes included changing the foreign language film to the international feature film. Yeah. Uh, hair and makeup styling categories will now have five nominations instead of just three. And that animated feature category will still be presented even if they're not at least eight eligible animated films. Yeah, so this was this is two things. One, it was a follow-up to some talk about, oh, things are really going to change up for the 2020 broadcast. And this was kind of an explanation and maybe like a scaling back of exactly how much they were said they were going to change things. The second thing is, is this was the first like hint that the Academy, instead of giving more leeway for streaming companies, was actually going to do the opposite and make it more roadblocks for uh, streaming companies to enter the awards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our last story of uh, April involved Doug Lyman in an upcoming film, Chaos Walking, starring some big heavy hitters, but also some big heavy budget problems. Oh, yeah. And I only bring that up because it brings us right into May <laughs> and technically the end of April, but right into May and our first story that is Avengers Endgame and how even though that was also a problematic shoot with lots of reshoots even up to yeah. including... 
stuff shot months prior. It became not only the most money-making film in the year, but very nearly became the most money-making film of all time. And then with a re-release, it eventually did, did hit that. Technically. Technically the asterisk. asterisk. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we'll probably talk about the actual film in-game later on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, man, it was all anybody could talk about or like experience for like a good like begin for the good chunk of the beginning of the year. Well, let's just throw some numbers out there, shall we? Yeah. Largest Thursday preview at sixty million. Widest opening ever at four point six thousand. Largest Friday opening and single day at one hundred and fifty six million. Largest Saturday at one hundred and nine million. Largest Sunday at eighty four million. With a domestic opening weekend of $357 million, which is both the fastest to for $100 to $350 million. Yeah. Uh, international opening to $859 million, and an opening weekend of $1.2 billion. Opening weekend <laughs> yeah. of $1.2 billion. That's pretty crazy. Like, to just do it, hit that number right off the bat. I mean, it goes to show you how long of a year this has been, where all of this sounds like it happened ages ago. <laughs> like, this year, like, in most years, a movie that had this much of an impact and made this much money would have continued being a talking point throughout the rest of the year. Like, we would be still have it on our mind. But the fact that just so much else happened in the calendar year 2019, that, like, nobody at the end of the year is talking about Avengers anymore. Well... Wait till I start. Except for we will. Of course we will, because this is the podcast that you've signed up for. Yes. Uh, but, but like, really, though, like, in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of like, it's not in the, it's not in the talk, it's not in the conversation anymore. Well, it's because it happened, it yeah. hit, and because it's Marvel, they're going to move on to yeah. the other projects that they're working on as well. They already have a Phase 4 and a Phase 5 right. in the works. Yeah. Which we'll get to, of course, when we talk about like Comic Con and stuff later here. Mm-hmm. So let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. Where in May we also had the first images of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, we sure did. Oh, by those eyes is what I have written down. We took we ta- we mentioned this briefly in the video game episode, but yeah, uh, we now know, of course, uh, that that horrendous early look was not the look that they have now gone for for the. February release of this film. Uh, but yeah, who knows whether or not it was the plan the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had the uh, Harold Ramis Film School yeah. uh, announced uh, with in partnership with Second City, as well as Pixar diverting away from all its sequel madness uh, to mainly focus on uh, original projects. In fact, we have two original Pixar projects that are on their way for next year. Yep, one called Onward and one called Soul. I think that trailer-wise, Soul looks like the more, like, hits you in the emotions Pixar movie. It has the inside-out, I yes, think, vibes to it. it. very much does. Whereas Onward, I initially dismissed. Uh, the first teaser didn't really do anything for me. Mm-hmm. But the most recent trailer... It looks actually pretty funny. Like this seems to like to be more in their comedy wheelhouse. This seems to be like like more in kind of the same vibe as like a Monsters Inc. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's just they're two Pixar movies going for very different Pixar vibes. And so now I'm like, 
looking forward to both of them in different ways. Oh, yeah. Uh, we also had the announcement of Disney assuming full operational control of Hulu from Comcast. Right. This, of course, being the uh, kind of follow-up to the, the, the Fox purchase that kind of mm-hmm. made them the majority shareholders of Hulu. And then this kind of solidified that, that Comcast would be kind of sliding back and let Disney take control. Well, not really sliding back, as within five years they will sell it to yeah. Comcast for... billion. You mean Comcast will sell their portion to Disney? Yes. Yeah, you said sell it to Comcast. Well, Disney will buy it from Comcast. Yes, there we go. Uh, Yeah, I mean, not that really matters at this point. Disney has Disney Plus at this point. Mm -hmm. And whether or not it'll actually matter whether they do anything with Hulu or not in 2020, we'll see. Yep. And uh, also in May, we had the reveal of uh, Robert Pattinson <laughs> as yes, yes. Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson makes his bat. yes makes a full circle from vampire to man to Batman. <laughs> yes, and I think uh, even though the internet was kind of quick to make fun of this, I think it's a good pick. He mm-hmm. is uh, he looks the part. I think he can. I think he can pull it off. Um, he will also be co-starring in the next Christopher Nolan film. So that will be pretty much everyone's <laughs> next iteration of Robert Pattinson. Yeah, yeah, get ready. Yeah. Which, by the way, also had a teaser trailer dropped this year. Yeah. And looked also confusing as all hell, but yeah. who knows? We'll see. Uh, we also had... Uh, let's hmm. see here. Cans happened, and then didn't happen with Netflix, and then did happen with Netflix. Yeah, that's a... Story for another time, but yeah. Yep. And as you mentioned, Rotten Tomatoes changing its audience score policy, where they have to prove they bought a ticket to see the film in order to leave a review. Again, Smart kind of avoids the the review bomb scenario we referred mm-hmm. to. Yep. And then that brings us into June and the release of Toy Story Four. Yeah, I mean, we'll t- again. This is another movie we'll probably talk about more in depth later. Uh, but yeah, it did pretty well um, as a Toy Story movie. You would imagine it would. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had a little bit of Chinese news get in the way of this, as Sony Spider-Man: Far From Home was granted permission literally a week before it was supposed to be released. Yeah, or two weeks before it was supposed to be released, rather. Yeah. Yeah, it was just added to the fuel of. Hollywood playing to the Chinese audience or the Chinese government. Right. Which was also a issue in video games that we brought up. I mean, yeah. I mean, that was a recurring story in, like, pretty much every segment this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, was just companies kind of bending, not necessarily bending to Chinese will, but at least trying to court those Chinese dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have uh, the city of Toronto building... Six studios sound, sound stages over 150,000 square feet. Yeah. Um, trying to up its production uh, production hub. Yes. And steal away from Vancouver. I mean, and good timing, too, after uh, a lot of uh, production companies uh, threatening to pull from Georgia here in the U.S. after uh, uh, some uh, political uh, litigation there. Mm-hmm. And lastly, we had Anne Sarnoff be a former BBC Studios president 
being tapped to be the new CEO of Warner Brothers. Uh, big shift having a female as the yeah. CEO of Warner Brothers. But cool. I mean, uh, certainly a, a change for the better. Mm-hmm. And that brings into July, where Regal uh, decided to unveil its unlimited movie ticket subscription plan. Right, yeah, which kind of sucks. As we found out. Yes, because it's only for Regal, and they're like one every 20 miles or so. Of course, 2019 is also the, the, the year, we didn't bring this up, but is the year that way, uh, that uh, MoviePass officially died? Uh, yes, I In guess official, official way. way. I mean, it ceremoniously dissolved last year, but yeah. like, this year was the actual like real death of it. And I think these other uh, uh, movie theater uh, companies getting in on the game, it was the nails in the coffin. Yeah. Uh, we also had brought up that Disney, even though it was halfway through the year, and I'm going to mark this as our story of the year, possibly. Possibly. More, more than likely. That even though it was halfway through the year in July, Disney had already made $2 billion at the box office <laughs> compared to the $2.3 billion they had made in total of last year. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the year kept going and they kept making more and more money. To the point where I saw a statistic the other day that said that they represented 80% of the top 10 grosses, I guess, of the year. 80% of all films, Yeah, of all I films think. or something like that this year. And I was just like, this is getting out of hand. Well, I mean, they made $5.8 worldwide at the box office. Yeah. And that was before they had Lion King, the Maleficent sequel, Frozen sequel, and Star Wars sequel. It's ridiculous, as you might imagine. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's why I'm going to put, like, this was the year of Disney's box office dominance. It really was. So that's why I'm, I'm nominating it here for Dis for uh, Story of the Year. Yeah. Because every week we talked about box office, and every week there was at least one Disney film up there in the top five. That's true. Uh, let's see here. We also have Power Rangers getting a soft reboot. Most likely... Um, and Sony itself, uh, combining Sony Pictures Entertainment and the media division of film and TV. Yeah, they continue to consolidate over at Sony. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marvel passing Avatar, as was expected. Yeah, but, remember, this is our asterisk. Right. This is our asterisk because it was a re-release. It was technically after a re-release, yes. Yes. Uh, then again, Avatar got re-released as well, so yeah, yes. it's all fair game at that point. But we also had Marvel, because we're in July, at Comic-Con and spilling its Phase 4. Yes. While leaving out some notable sequels that were supposed to be in the works, which will be moved to Phase 5. But yeah, I mean, this was pretty much what everybody expected for the most part. And... Uh, not really a whole lot of surprises, except for maybe the fact that they announced a bunch of stuff that would be exclusive to Disney Plus. That was going to be. That was going to say the, yeah. the big surprises. The stuff that they announced was going to cross with right. Disney Plus, so you had to get Disney Plus to watch the new yeah. Marvel shows. The first time where the TV stuff will actually matter canonically in the uh, MCU. I mean, beyond Agents of Shield and beyond the Defenders. <laughs> I guess. We want to call the Netflix Defenders? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, like, the Runaways and Cloak and Dagger and everything on Freeform and Yeah, Hulu. but none of that stuff actually affected the movies except for 
uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right, well... Characters from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show up in those movies. Well, uh, the events of the movies crossed over into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but Agents yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D. was never allowed to cross over into the movies. Except for the characters that are shared. Which characters? Freaking uh, Kobe Smulders is who I'm talking about here. Oh. Uh, yeah. No, no, she, she was started in the movies and went one way. She was in the movies before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yes. Oh, I assumed that she was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. first. No. Okay. No, she was in Avengers before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, I didn't realize that. I just assumed that that was airing already. No, because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. premiered after the Avengers. After the Avengers. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Take it back. Yeah, take it back. <laughs> uh, we also had the Invader Zim film and the <coughs> Rock of the Barn Life film. Yeah, these were fun. And it looks like... Um, the aftermath of all those uh, was that Nickelodeon has now extended that contract with Netflix, and there will be more Netflix Nickelodeon films uh, based on their properties coming in the next couple years. Mm-hmm. That's good news. Um, so you could see potentially um, other classic uh, uh, reboots happening. Yep. Uh, we also, and that brings us into August. Moving right along here with Venom 2 being officially announced at Sony. Yeah. With Andy Serkis directing this time. Yeah, sure. Why and, not? And man direct. Because they have uh, access to Spider-Man, a possible Spider-Man-Venom crossover. I, yeah, we'll see. It's That kind of got muddled this year. So. Yeah, it definitely got muddled this year. Because um, uh, we didn't really talk about that. No, we didn't. Uh, oh, let's go this right here. Uh, in, <laughs> in, in August. In August. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, let me see here real quick if there's anything of note before that. I just want to br- bring up before we start t- talking about that, you may notice that we're in August and we barely talked about summer movies. Let's talk real briefly about how 2019 was extremely disappointing for summer films. Um, well, the big hits didn't hit. No, I mean, I'm trying to think of like what the July, I mean, the July release was. Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, and we talked about that briefly, but it just didn't have the impact that, uh, you know, following Avengers is a hard, was a hard act to follow. Yeah. And none of the movies really in the summer really did that. I mean, Lion King hit on some levels. It, it made it, money. It, it made money, and, uh, like, that's pretty much it, though, because both audiences and critics kind of, like, were eh about it. But it's a technical achievement in itself. Technical achievement, sure. Yes. But like I said, what happened to the people who made those uh, technical achievements? Uh, they don't have jobs anymore. Right. So, you know, where the 2019 for you is, you know, you take a step forward, you take a billion steps back. Well, but you're right. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, yeah. the summer really film. Was like, summer. Uh, I don't even remember when we were in it. We were just both, ba- we were waiting for something. We were like, what's, what's the next thing? What's the next big hit? There just wasn't. I want to scroll down to what I saw in the films, but... <laughs> we'll get there later. We'll get there later. Yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, yeah. the summer thing. It was like... Not a whole lot. Avengers. Yeah. It's just Avengers. And it came out in April. Yeah. <laughs> and had all of May. And not the summer. Um, Detective Pikachu was Detective March. Pikachu was March. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know what to tell you. It's like the summer was super disappointing. So I guess hopefully 2020 summer will be better. I think Dumbo was May? Dumbo, yeah. No, Dumbo was April? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Dumbo was this year. Struggle. Anyway, so Spider-Man. So, yeah, we get down uh, in August to Spider-Man, where Spider-Man was no longer going to be a part of the MCU. Yeah, there was some uh, catfight between uh, Sony and Disney here. 
Yeah. It was Disney making the offer of bringing Sony Spider-Man back into the MCU and Sony not countering said offer and walking away. Leaving Disney to go, well, are, are we having a deal or what? Just just no counter, no nothing? Yeah. And so everyone was mad at both of them until Tom Holland, which we found out later, drunkenly cried <laughs> to both uh, Disney and Sony <laughs> to get their shit together. So uh, thank you, Tom Holland. Thank you, Tom Holland. I guess. If, if that is what really happened, but, you know. Who knows? I don't know. Like, I don't know how I feel about this whole thing. I mean, even back at the time, I was like, oh, boy. Uh, internet fans got very internet fanny about this. And mm-hmm. by that, I mean they were real belligerent for no reason um, about this. And, yeah, it just goes to show you that even the most well-intentioned fans can be jerks online. Uh, but ultimately, because it ultimately doesn't really matter who makes your Spider-Man movie. Like, if you get a Spider-Man movie, shouldn't that be enough? That being said, I'm glad that they were able to come to reach some sort of compromise here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will see some sort of follow-up uh, to the Spider-Man that we've grown to love in the MCU. Right. But remember that it was Sony responding initially that yeah. Kevin that saying that Kevin Feige had too much on his plate to work on a project that he didn't own. <laughs> Which is fair, also, because, like... His paychecks get signed by uh, by Iger, and Iger will only be happy if they have the if they made the movie. So, well, also if they you know get money, but yeah, this is also all about the film rights and not necessarily the uh, TV or and or um, right. merchandising rights, right. which Disney, Disney owns. owns Sales, so yes. literally just movies. Yeah, uh, and that brings us into September. Where in September we had Stephen King doing garage sale for his $1 scripts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you're a film student looking for a quick script from Stephen King himself, he had a garage sale for $1. Yeah, it was fast from what I understand. Mm Mm-hmm. But cool nonetheless. We also had um, some pushback to streaming service from the Toronto International Film Festival where Amazon and Netflix were officially barred from screening at the festival. Yeah, rough. Or at least at their at the Cineplex Studios or Cineplex Theaters. Yeah. But, you know, if you weren't a Cineplex Theater, you could have showed it in the area. Yeah. Uh, we also had oh that fun story about uh, Robert Downey Jr. and UCLA hunting down old Sherlock Holmes films. Oh yeah, that was kind of cool. That was like one of those feel good stories. Yeah. Serious Robert Downey Jr. has enough money to do whatever the hell he wants anymore. <laughs> Seriously. Like, be Dr. Doolittle for some reason? Uh, for some reason. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We also had the official end of Movie Pass. There it is. As, there it is. I knew it happened. Yep. Yeah, as Movie Pass in uh, September announced that it was officially sh- shutting its shutting down, shutting its store, shutting its servers down. Yeah. Uh, but Paracombe did say it will come back in a, some new form. Maybe. And lastly in September, I remember Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, it's good that you don't. <laughs> Go ahead. Don't don't respond. <laughs> but uh, the uh, the West Craven <laughs> estate got its rights back to yes, Nightmare on Elm Street. It did happen. 
Yeah, after they lapsed, and everyone forgot <laughs> that they lapsed. Yes. Uh, and that brings us into October. Wow, it's blazing right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot going on this year. No. I, I'm trying to like avoid stuff that same Marvel on it. Yeah. Because basically it was like Marvel or Disney. Yep. Or Netflix. And that was just like... That's it. That's it. That's movies that now. That is movies now. That's the industry. Uh, we had a f- a sh- the first week of October with Spider-Man being announced back yeah. into the MCU with a 25% deal. Yep. Uh, we also had Jordan Peele making uh, a deal with Universal. Right, yes. Uh, they uh, saw a, a cash cow and didn't want to let him go. Yep, through his Monkey Paw Productions banner. Yeah. So, they, so Universal gets first look on all his films. Uh, both written, directed, and produced. Very smart. Yep. Uh, we also had the wrap-up of the Deadpool 2, Deadpool 2 motorcycle yeah. investigation with WorkSafe British Columbia. Right, yeah. Here's to protecting our stunt workers as they are constantly in danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had Netflix skirting around the rules by having a premiere for The Irishman. Yes. Uh on one of the Broadway theaters, outfitting an old yeah. theater with a with a with projector, a projector and, yeah and with screen. a projector and screens like here we're doing this here. Yep. Uh, we also had the announcement of the Academy Awards doing a streaming service rather than sending up physical copies. Yeah, smart. Mm-hmm. A step in the right direction for sure. As well as a Lion King. May or may not be submitted for best animated feature Oscar feature film. Right, yeah. After basically being established as a not an animated film by Disney. Yes, and Disney sub- did not submit it as an animated film. No. But for the Golden Globes, it is nominated for best. Because they didn't submit anim- jack shit. It was just the foreign press just thinks it's animated. Yeah, because it is animated. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I don't know. Then that brings us into uh, Star Wars ticket sales being sold out immediately. Yeah. Uh, I was one of the first people to get in as well. Got some primo seats really for had. that film. Yeah, we, we sure had the pick of the litter there. Oh, yeah, we did. And then I had to get the pick of the friends <laughs> to come out. <laughs> yeah, I had to drag people out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars. Uh, speaking of Star Wars and dragging people out. Yes. David Benioff and D.B. Weiss were dragged Dragged out out of Star Wars production. True. uh, Following the end of and severe backlash of um, Game of Thrones. Yeah. But also of the deal that they made with Netflix. That they wouldn't be able to fully focus on Star Wars. Yeah, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, you gotta pick one project, really. Right, but uh, as Kathleen Kennedy said, they still have that deal... With Ryan Johnson, yeah, as well as a deal that they made earlier with Kevin Feige to do their both of them are doing their own trilogy. Supposedly, supposedly, we haven't heard a whole lot of movement on either of those things. No, we have not even heard the word trilogy yet. But Star Wars stories is what they're being called. Yeah, I feel like they're going to be very gun shy about calling anything a trilogy for a while. Yeah. Uh, we also had Box Office Mojo getting a redesign. Yeah, yeah. And like uh, a premium feature. 
Yeah, uh, in conjunction with IMDb Pro. Yeah. As well. And that's it for October as we move right into November. Yeah, in the fall. In the fall, with Warner Brothers officially greenlighting the third Fantastic Beast film. Yeah, but for like two years in the future. Uh, yeah, it'll be in 2021. Oh. And be it's still it's two like years. one year, technically. It's two years. We're not in 2020 yet. Yeah, we're literally days away. <laughs> also, when the audience hears this, yeah, it will be 2020. Uh, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one will supposedly take place in Rio de Janeiro as it continues its worldwide tour. Uh, and then we yeah. also had uh, Adam McKay... Setting picture, setting up shop at with Paramount Pictures with Hyper Object, his new production company. Yep. And CJ Entertainment, a South Korean-based production company, uh, setting up shop in the U.S. by taking former uh, former IPs of South Korea and turning them into uh, American projects. Uh-huh. Uh And lastly, oh yes. Lest we forget, the Joker film. Oh, right, Joker. Which came out in October. Yeah, uh, also kind of a came and went kind of thing. It was kind of the conversation piece for a few weeks there. Yeah, I mean, people, like, apparently people loved it. I hated it. Some people loved it, some people hated it, uh, but I think everybody agreed, more or less, that it was uh, need to look at at some points, and that performance at least was entertaining. Yes, because that performance literally carried the whole film, because right. it was the whole film. Yeah. Whether or not any of it is actually canon or of any truth or merit <laughs> is another discussion. Right, yeah. But it being a film, in terms of a film, is well done. It was well made, but the thing that it is either worked for people or didn't. Yeah. And uh, we also had, yep, yeah, Netflix again making its bid uh, to get their theater eligibility yep. by taking a space in Lower Manhattan. Yeah, and Godzilla being moved with its Godzilla King Kong fight from March to November next year. Yeah, we saw a lot of film delays. We saw a lot of shuffling from. Yeah, films. a lot of shuffling happened, especially uh, at Warner Brothers. It feels like. Yeah, definitely from them. And then that brings us into December this month. Yeah. Where we had Studio Ghibli officially announcing that all its films will go on a... Will be available for digital purchase. Yeah, yeah, which is a first for the studio. Yep. And then we also had... um, We talked about AMC and their workers not being paid fairly because of an old ruling. Right. And, yeah, just a lot of shuffling here from Warner Brothers. Just a lot of... And then uh, the Library of Congress with its National Film Registry honoring seven different titles directed by women. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. That was your year in movies. So, yeah, like... (laughs) I think picking a story is going to be kind of hard because there were not that many stories. Well, unlike last year where we had the Me Too movement Mm -hmm. and... a lot of studio closures and Disney buying 20th Century Fox. This year was just kind of all but like that stuff had happened. And that's just a result of not a whole lot of things compared to last year. Yeah. 
I mean, I first thing that comes to my mind is I think the recurring story of like of uh, the streaming networks, especially Netflix, trying so hard to jump all over the, all, over all these hoops that are left and obstacles that are left from the Academy to actually compete in award season. Netflix wants that best picture. They won it. Netflix should have had that best yes. picture. They know that they've been done dirty, and so they're doing everything they can, whether premiering their films on Broadway, literally locking down an old theater to convert to a Netflix theater. Like, it's smart. It's smart stuff. But man, if the Academy doesn't want... If certain people in the Academy, let's say, because as we reported last year, big names, including literally Steven Spielberg... Are, are putting money where their mouth is and trying to keep this from happening. Mm-hmm. Like, if the Academy doesn't want it, they're going to prove that they don't want it, and they're doing everything that they can to change the rules. It's the changing of the old guard that doesn't yeah. want to move. Yeah. Like, except that streaming is here, that it is a viable platform. Yeah. And then just, if they can compete on a critical level... Which they can. Which they, they can. proved that last year. I mean, yeah. Then let them compete. Yeah, let the, let them compete. Let the pl- let them play. You gotta compete. Let them play the game. Let them play. Let them fight. Let them fight. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have any other stories that you think are worthy here? Like it's gonna be, be literally what we talked about all this year <laughs> is gonna be Netflix or just. Streaming competition, trying to get into yeah. the Academy Awards, or, uh, or Disney box yeah, office. The continued dominance of Disney, and it, and literally every piece of media, but mostly movies. They have proven this year that they are the number one studio. Everyone else is second place. Which we by a huge distance. I mean, we saw this being molded two yeah. years ago. No, yeah, we've been reporting on the whole t- the whole time that this was. Inevitable. When they said that they had a new back in twenty sixteen, we, we were talking about oh they have this announced for next year or for twenty nineteen. It's like okay, so they literally had Captain Marvel, Dumbo, Avengers, Lion King, uh, Frozen two, Toy Story four, Mistress, uh, yeah, Maleficent. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars? Yeah. That's nine right there. That's Yeah. And they had more, I know. But that's like nine films right there that all made it into the top of the box office. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And it's just gonna keep going like this as long as they have like, you know, ownership of all these like huge franchises. Well, not just that, but as long as they put out a quality product that people are willing to pay to see. The question is, is what, when does the quality drop-off happen and we don't notice because the audience doesn't go away? Like, when does the EA Madden situation happen to Disney films? Where all of a sudden, the quality deteriorates, but people still show up because it's the thing that they think they'd still like. Or is that already happening with Star Wars? I think it's already happening. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of worrying. I mean, yeah, we'll go into our favorite movies here. And yes, I'm sure both Star Wars, or maybe not Star Wars, but a Marvel film will probably be discussed. That being said, like... Okay. Matt, you're... Quality has the potential of going down. All right. Well, well, let's do this. 
I'm looking at box office for domestic gross for the year. Mm-hmm. Out of the top five, how many do you think are Disney? They're all all five Disney, right? You're correct. Yeah. Out of the top <laughs> ten, how many are eight Disney? Eight out of ten, right? Uh, depends on how you want to count Spider-Man, but okay. yes, eight out of ten yeah, are Disney. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That's too many. Now, where do you think those other two place? Uh... Probably like 9 and 10, right? 9 and 10, you're yeah. right. <laughs> and the difference between 9 and 10 is $20 million. Yeah, I believe that. Anyway, so I don't know. Um, I think that both of these are pretty good arguments. But actually now talking about the Disney one, mm-hmm. it might be the most quintessential 2019 thing. As we exit this decade, Disney has such ridiculous domination of the movie industry that it's like... It's insane to think about. I know, it definitely is like I'm trying to find a Disney film that went under a hundred million dollars. I don't know if there was one. I don't this think year. there was one this year. I mean, they probably did have one, and that's why they decided to put Lady and the Tramp at Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> but um anyway. Uh yeah. Oh wait. Oh, you know, that was last year. I said they did down here in 91, but that was Ralph Breaks the Internet because last, it came out last year. Last year, yeah. And rolled over. And even that still made... They made a lot more money than that. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Let's pick a story. Which of the two do you think is more relevant for 2019? Uh, <laughs> like I said, I think Disney, because... You may have convinced me it's Disney, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at, like, what movies were released this year, and the lowest one for Disney is Maleficent, and even that made one hundred and thirteen million. Yeah, and Dumbo made one hundred and fourteen million. But, yeah. but you take those two out of it, their lowest is three hundred and fifty-five million. Yeah, and that's insane. They made so much money this year on movies alone that they can float every literally everything else that they would want to do. Well, that was just domestic. Do we want to go worldwide? No. No? <laughs> I think we made our point. Okay. All right. Let's move on. All right. So we're going to call... We're calling the Disney... dominance of Disney our story of the year for movies 2019. Disney box office? Just in general. But yes, mostly box office here. All right. Cool. So that does it for the news portion of this wrap-up podcast. We will now turn to... The moment you've all been waiting for. Our top fives. Favorite movies or movies that we've seen of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the end of this, we will crown a media book podcast number one movie of the year. And for this, I will let you start, since I believe I started in video games. Also, I'm starting because I always have two lists. You always have two lists. I always have two lists for this. Okay. Uh, I do my uh, original concept films. Uh-huh. And then my sequels, reboot, remakes films. Right. Which I guess in this case could just be my top five Disney films. <laughs> all Disney hey, films. I'm sure. As we just discussed, kind of hard not to be. Yeah. Uh, so I'll start with the originals. Yeah. Let's, let's start with some original films. Uh, because, like we said, Disney pretty much dominated the box office. So let's throw these ones out there that are so good and yet. Not a whole lot of box office behind it. Well, yeah, because they're not the big tentpole releases. Oh, no. They're not tentpole releases. These are original IPs. Yes. Uh, and number five, 
I have Rocket Man. Rocket Man. I loved this film when it came out. I had a lot of affinity to basically every song that was listed in this thing. Uh-huh. And it was such a great departure from what we had been getting from musicals based... <laughs> this was coming right off of... Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody, which you did not like. Yes. Which, no, I enjoyed, but, but didn't like critically. Yeah, saw the, the flaws. Yes. could, could uh, But with this, it delved into the flaws of the person, of the man, and basically broke down yeah. the facade of Elton John from what you think of him as the performer to who he really is as the man. Right. And it was really well done and really well executed. And I'm glad to see it was nominated for Golden Globes. Yeah. And that people had still had it in its mind. Yeah. At the end of the year here. Uh, but yeah, Taron Edgerton just continues to prove that he is a dominant actor, especially when it comes to getting into characters. It's going to be real fun to see him evolve over the next couple of years. Yeah. And I hope he hits that Q Jackman status eventually. He could. He certainly could. Mm-hmm. Uh, at number four, I have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That also came out this year in the summer. <laughs> been a long year. Um, this film, of course, Quentin Tarantino in his Ode to Hollywood, uh, yep. taking place around the Manson murders, which wasn't about the Manson murders, and yet somehow everyone... That's all anyone could take away about it from the Manson murderers. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, this film starred Brad Pitt and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio as aging film stars. And I liked this film conceptually. I think it did kind of drag on a bit, but I think the message it brought across about finding your second act and making that turning point of what your what you want your legacy to be how you not only how you view yourself but how other people view you mm-hmm. and what you can do to continue to stay into the limelight without slipping away and be into irrelevance is yeah. a great metaphor for this film because it is a story of as the title says once upon a time it is a fairy tale story and it does get a little hokey at times sure but as is par for any Quentin Tarantino film yeah but i really enjoyed my time at the film the last act killed it for me. I had a whole lot of fun watching it happen and unfold. And I know a lot of people like this film. A lot of people are putting this in their top five. Uh-huh. It just, when I watched it, it didn't hit that for me. I kind of wanted more out of it than what I got, especially coming from The Hateful Eight and Inglorious Bastards. That I just wanted more out of it. But it was a really good pulled back into a classic Tarantino film where it is focused on the characters and not necessarily the gratuitous violence. Right, right, right. You didn't have that as a crunch. This yeah. Time. At number three... Okay. I'm putting us on the list. Okay. Not you and me, but Jordan Peele's Yes, Jordan us. Peele's us. Yes. Uh, this came out in the beginning of the year and everyone had wild expectations from it coming out of yeah. Get Out. Was it going to be a political message? Was it going to be a social commentary? But it's a horror film. And everyone had these wild theories about what it could mean. And then the film came out and blew everyone's expectations out of the water. I mean, as we noted, Jordan Peele got the Universal deal out of this because of it. And it's just one of those films that the more I think back on and the more I want to watch the film again, which is a sign of a good film. Yeah. 
the more I realized that, oh, there is a lot of layers to this film. And just like my cake, I love some me some layers. <laughs> and Us has a lot of layers in this film and a lot of social commentary. Yeah. And it's... I'm, I mean, Jordan Peele has two films. Yes, and so I far. think so far, and both those films have knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he can keep it up, if he basically becomes the new Pixar where... <laughs> Everything he makes knocks it out of the park. I mean, hey, Universal is in the business of Jordan Peele now, so they're hoping, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> I mean, just to sidetrack off of that real quick, Jordan Peele um, also did the Twilight Zone yeah, reboot this series. Yeah. yeah, and that was critically successful as well. Yeah. So, but getting back to us as a film, this is the first of the films that actually made me want to go see it again. And that's, like I said... Yeah, that's your As thing. my basis, as I declare for every film... Yeah. If you want me to see it again, that's a sign of a good film. If I want to see it again... Yeah. If I want to spend the money to go see you again, that's, that's a sign good. of a good film. It was yeah. a really good film. At, uh, number two... Okay. Of your originals Of list. my originals list. I am having trouble... Okay. Between tab- number two and number one. All right. I keep going back and forth with these two films. Okay. But I think... Let's go with your gut. I'm going to go with what I have written down. Okay. And at number two, I'm going to put Knives Out. Okay. My number two film. All right. I had not had that much of a fun time at a film uh, since, like... Just pure enjoyment since probably Avengers earlier this year. <laughs> I sat back. I watched that film. I let it come over me. I was invested in the film. I was invested in the characters. It was really well done. Yeah. Really well scripted. Yeah. Really well directed. Shot. Uh, it made me want to delve more into the backstory of this film. To which I ended up <laughs> doing. Yeah. And maybe come on to this podcast and convince you to go see it. Yeah, and I did. And, and you went I to loved see it. it too. I mean, I'll talk about it later as well. Uh, but yeah, it's a whole lot of fun uh, time at the movies. It's a good audience experience. It's a great written script. I still stand by. I think this is your screenplay winner, original screenplay winner this year. Right, and you've yet to get that wrong. You've yet to get that wrong. If it's nominated, if it's not nominated, then, you know, wipe slate clean. But right. if it's nominated, it will win. Uh, but yeah, um... Yeah, no, I'll talk yeah, about it a little bit. You'll talk about it later, but, later, yeah, but the yeah. Act, the acting in this thing is well right. done. Yep. Um, just everyone plays their part to a T. Yes. It is a godsend that this film yeah. even got made. Yeah. But you can think, yeah. uh, you can think that Star Wars money. Yeah, that's that Star Wars <laughs> Ryan Johnson right. money right there. He made that Star Wars money and made what he wanted. Yeah, and clearly had a hit on his hands as it made over $100 million. Yeah. Definitely a success. Yep, but that brings me to my number one All original right. film. So let's hear it. Of the year, and uh, that is yesterday. Yesterday, the Beatles. Right, movie guy uh, gets is the only one in the world that remembers the Beatles. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting concept. Sure. Uh, I went to it with just that concept, like he just wakes up and he's the only one who knows of the Beatles. But it's funny because there's a lot of other stuff that are the exact same way. And so as throughout the film, you kind of figure out, oh, they don't have this. Oh, they don't have that. Oh, he's making references that only the audience gets. Yeah. Which 
while both is funny for the audience, is super dark and depressing for him as a character. It's yeah. like, wait, now he has doesn't has no joy of ever doing these things again. Uh, like one of them is like, the world is without Coke. <laughs> so he Googles Coke and pulls up Pablo Escobar on cocaine. Oh, no. And he's like, what? What do you mean there's only Pepsi? What do you mean no Coke? <laughs> <laughs> and there's other, like, other hilarious stuff like that throughout the film. And just the way they use the Beatles music throughout the film. And unlike Rocket Band, which... Well, kind of like Rockman, which showed the rise and fall of the star of a star. This uh, also shows the rise of a basic unknown singing the greatest songs pretty much ever written. Yeah, that we know that that in that universe do not know, have no concept of, and it's great because it in the beginning it plays off of oh here's these famous songs, but no one really goes to see them because yeah. everyone's heard them, but you know it kind of gets that. Beatlemania back as if it was today, like original songs, new concepts, yeah, and just the way the music industry can take something so innocent and pure, yeah, and completely monetize the hell out of it and use it for their own benefit. So here's kind of the question that I have, and I remember that the I didn't actually hear a whole lot of positive takes about this thing when it came out. Mm -hmm. Critically, it was not well regarded. Audience wise, also kind of middle. Uh, so it's interesting that you come out of this thing so positive still, even months after this thing's come out. I watched it on a plane. Yeah, and you watched it on a plane. So no, 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 I watched it in theater, but I liked <laughs> it so much and I watched it again yeah. on a plane. Okay. Well, my question is, in a lot of because the, the issue that a lot of people had uh, in a lot of the, the feedback I read when it came out was this wouldn't happen. Basically, people were arguing that it was unrealistic because... Yes, you could make an argument that in this universe, they are making the assumption that the songs would still be just as popular and liked if they were released today. I mean, basically, right? It's like, yeah, yes. they're, they're popped up a little and more made mm-hmm. sound a little bit more modern. But beyond that, they're basically saying that the craft on display in the actual writing of these songs and lyrics is strong enough that if this scenario did take place that those would be successful that would be successful music if this actually did take place would anyone even know because there's nothing to compare it to and that's the crux of the film and that's the thing is like I feel like a lot of a lot of people were a little like they couldn't extend their disbelief for far enough to believe that this would actually happen like a lot of people were very quick to point out, like, no, if you release something that sound like that that was written and sounded like a Beatles song, no one would care. It would be very underground, and nobody would ever find out about it. But that's the thing about film <laughs> is that it starts out that way. Yeah, that it literally starts off as the guy putting some songs on a Costco CD because he works at a Costco-like company, so he puts songs on a Costco CD. Yeah, for Costco patrons to purchase uh-huh. and then just one guy one music producer finds it likes it and helps him make a second CD that puts it to other publishers that build off of that it's just 
Yes, there is a lot of luck involved, but yeah. <laughs> that is also kind of the music industry. I mean, that's that's yeah. literally why Ed Sheeran is in the film. Because he was also eight unknown who sang good songs on his own sure. until he was discovered by YouTube. <laughs> sure. But I guess I guess it's interesting. What I'm saying is that it's interesting that you were able to suspend your disbelief enough to have a good time with this movie. Well, because while I was watching it, because Ed Sheeran was perfectly, like put in this film unlike uh game of thrones <laughs> but he was perfectly put in this film as the count as the conduit of yeah well you know ed sheeran was basically unknown and kind of did the same thing coming from england and having singing these sure, songs and more like or less, yeah we like he's a good songwriter and who knows what if he actually comes from a world where the songs he's written is from someone else and we don't know about it <laughs> Okay, uh, I don't know if I'm on board with Ed Sheeran conspiracy Ed, Ed Sheeran multiverse series? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. No, uh, but in okay. the world it sets up, it definitely plays to that. And okay. because it's crafted so well, and Daniel Boyle does a good well of directing this thing, uh-huh. that it made me not think about that. It, made, it was able to put my mind at ease. Yeah. With the character choices, with the song choices, with yeah. a lot of the build-up. Because you do see him come from unknown. And he is, in the beginning, literally standing on the street corner okay. singing the Beatles songs. But people yeah. just keep passing him by because they never heard it. They don't know it. They think it's his own. They don't care. Yeah. Okay. What's going on on your other list? No, oh, it's your list first. Oh, you want to do my list first? Yeah, without, yeah since yesterday is my number one original film. Okay. Now it's time to talk about your five films you saw. Five film, five of the films that I saw this year. It turns out I've, I can now uh, extend my list of movies I've seen this year to seven, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> I know you started this. You started this podcast with six, and you ended up with seven. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to pick five of them to just talk about briefly here. Uh, yeah. So uh, near the beginning of the year, I think the first thing I saw was Detective Pikachu. So I'll just talk about this briefly. So uh, initially I was excited because, of course, I would be excited for a big tinpole Pokemon movie to be released. Uh, Because, yeah, um, people were talking about it being like a different take on the Pokemon franchise. And like that, and uh, people were excited about Ryan Reynolds' Pikachu. And yeah, and it seemed like an interesting concept, so I saw it. And yeah, I was kind of mixed about this movie. I really liked the potential of the world they set up. I really liked the world building that they were doing with like Pokemon posters in the background, what Pokemon did in the city and like how the world was structured with trainers and, and like how did the world was depicted. And like, that was the coolest part for me because being able to visualize the Pokemon world as a real world is awesome. And literally like a dream out of nine year old me's head. That being said, the actual movie year is just okay. Um, Ryan Reynolds has kind of wasted his Pikachu. He's just not that funny. There may be like a couple of lines that got a chuckle out of me, but generally it was a lot of eye rolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, that model, character model is adorable, though. They really did really great work on that Pikachu. But everything he says, could I could take it or leave it. He wasn't even that plot important, really. He kind of stood around and kind of like figured out the, 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 the things by not actually doing any actual detective work. He just kind of stumbled upon things throughout the movie. Uh, the main characters were very predictable, uh, especially with the 
uh, romance plot between the main character and the uh, and the kind of main girl like just didn't really go anywhere interesting and kind of didn't pay off and the villain story came out of kind of nowhere and the stuff with Mewtwo was super predictable and boring so yeah when you actually think about the movie Detective Pikachu it's not very good but the platform that this sets up for future Pokemon movies is really cool and could potentially lead to a really neat Pokemon-centric film down the line. So I'm glad it exists. I'm glad they made it. And even all that said, it's still probably the best uh, video game movie ever made. Well, yeah, I mean, that bar is set very low to begin with. It's very low bar. But, I mean, yeah, when the film came out, it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, but yeah, no, the world, I loved. The story, eh. Yeah, story. Not so much. It needs some work, but yeah. It, and so this is this is for uh, our basis now when we look forward to Sonic the Hedgehog coming in February. <laughs> is, is it better than Detective Pikachu? We will certainly see. Uh, but yeah, uh, next I guess I can talk about real briefly. Um, um, Your number four? Yeah, uh, Avengers Endgame is a movie I saw uh, the next month, in fact. Yeah, I remember having a good time, but man, is this movie long. I think that was like my biggest uh, biggest gripe with it, which is just, it just felt like molasses moving throughout that whole th- time. But they packed in a whole lot of closure in that film. I mean, we talked about it extensively back uh, when it came out here on the podcast. I'm sure you will also be talking about this on your franchise list in just a moment mm-hmm. but yeah i thought that a lot of the closure was well done i thought a lot of the like the tying up at loose ends that they did for a few of the characters uh worked and made sense some of them didn't looking at you black widow hmm. but besides that i felt like it was a really good example of a huge tentpole event movie actually getting a lot of the things it's trying to do right and feeling like a good ending a good, uh, like, yeah, like, uh, capper to an era of the, of this era of the MCU. Um, and yeah, it kind of, like, it, it did the things it needed to do really well and had some really cool set pieces. Maybe some logic leaps uh, when you get into kind of the nitty-gritty of the time travel stuff. But uh, for the most part, did what it was set out to do and felt like a satisfying final chapter in that story. And I will definitely be talking about more. We'll definitely be talking about it later. Speaking of a capper to an era of a story, Toy Story 4. Is your number three film. Next film that I'll talk about. Again, I'm not ranking these. Oh, you're not ranking these? (laughs) I'm not ranking these. Oh, okay. Uh, They're in no particular order. In fact, right now they're chronological order. (laughs) Okay. I thought they were... (laughs) That's, I think, how my brain is doing it, is going in chronological order. Okay. Uh, But yeah, Toy Story 4, uh, also uh, kind of like the end of a a chapter of a story, didn't necessarily need to be told. I mean, that was kind of the thing going into this, was do we need a Toy Story 4 when Toy Story 3 did such a good job finishing up the character arcs of everybody in the story that it was telling? But they managed to find a good enough reason to make a Toy Story 4 matter, and it was a good fun movie not of course to the high the highest highs that the series had reached with three but a a good respectable entry into the toy story canon and a good pixar movie overall it was a lot of fun had some great jokes some real fun new characters were introduced kind of a waste of some other characters that were introduced in the series previously but still um a good kind of capper uh that while not completely necessary uh, felt like a good extra story that they could tell with the, the tools that they had. 
So, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I remember that I had a lot of problems with this film. It has some issues, for sure. Yeah, I mean, one being Woody literally abandoning his kid, even though the first three films... <laughs> right. Where he had the opportunity to abandon his kid. It definitely didn't. is part of the Disney problem uh, with kid, their kids' movies lately, which is they are written so much from the adult perspective that I think they sometimes forget about the kids' perspective. They need to think about the children? <laughs> Maybe, because, yeah. Which goes into the next film we'll talk about, Frozen 2. <laughs> kind of has a lot of the same issues that Frozen, uh, that uh, Toy Story 4 does. It's like, here's a story with the characters that we've set up in this world that kind of we already finished the storyline for, but what else can we discover in this mythology? And uh, also kind of has a similar problem to, with, or some of the issue, I guess, not really a problem, with Avengers as in a story packed with as much stuff as they could stuff into um, the, this, ki- this kind of movie. You mean and, so much stuff they couldn't <laughs> let it go? Yeah. So it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed my time with Frozen 2. I thought the music was fun. I thought the big set pieces were cool. Some of the imagery is some of the coolest imagery I've seen in one of those uh, modern uh, Disney CG movies. That being said, I came out of it feeling like a lot of it was a little bit more forgettable than Frozen 1, especially the songs. If you asked me how any of them went, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Uh, but uh, but oh, it was a fun time. It had its moments. But yeah, it just didn't feel like especially special compared to the original. And had one or two too many times where I felt like, man, this has gone through a lot of rewrites to get to where it is now. It just felt like a little bit more to be desired. But, but other than that, it was a fun time at the movies. Then, yeah, so that's all you can ask for. Yes. But the most fun time in the movies, though, and this I guess I can rank it's, as the, my favorite thing I saw all year. This is your number one film of the year? Yeah, yeah, you okay. can say that. It is Knives Out. Okay. So yeah, I, the, you talked about it, kind of laid, the, laid the, the foundation for this already. But I'll just say uh, that, yeah, it was a really fun time at the movies. It's a detective story, a mystery story that keeps you guessing throughout it's not predictable like every time you think it's going to go a certain way it swerves maybe sometimes literally um Mm -hmm. and yeah it's just a fun 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 time i think the last time i remember being that edge like edge of my seat was when i was watching get out Ooh, like that kind of feeling for me where i was just like i don't know what's going to happen this is gripping me in a way that a lot of movies don't and yeah the performances are amazing uh just watching uh just watching, um, oh shoot, what's his name? Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig just eat the scenery the whole movie. Oh, yes. just, uh, and that moment they give him towards the end is just so good. About the donuts? Just every step of the way, just su- such great performances. Literally everybody in the cast is like on fire. Um, you don't know who to love, and you and by the end of it, you kind of hate everybody. It's just wonderful throughout. But that's the way it's supposed that's to be. It's supposed to it's, be. You're supposed to think yes. that everyone is one way, so you like yes. them, but really... everyone is just a terrible person it's just wonderful it's such a good it's a movie that encapsulates 2019 too just like the kind of people who you encounter these days and just like yeah just like an amazing time at the movie so yeah like that is definitely the most fun i had uh watching a film and definitely the probably the only film on that list that i actually want to own and watch over and over again oh yeah 
Okay, do you want to do your franchise list now? Yeah, I'll do my franchise list, then we have to pick a film of the year. After we do some uh, honorable mentions. Yeah, I should do some honorable mentions. Okay. But so, franchise films are basically Disney films. Yeah, what was your top five Disney movies of the year? <laughs> At number five, yes. I am putting The Lion King. Really? Yes. Okay. While it was a rehash of The Lion King... It was a technical achievement that I have never seen before. Sure. The only shot in that film is the opening sunrise. As soon as those 20 <laughs> seconds are up and it cuts away, everything from that point on, mm-hmm. start to finish, is 100% animated film. And it is a technical achievement that I had to remind myself several yeah. times, constantly, <laughs> this is an animated film. Right. And because they're playing with such a, the realistic portion of it, they had to take a lot of what made the original Lion King fun out, but still yeah. made it entertaining. Yeah. Like, you can't have an automatic stylistic change when you do um, I Just Want to Be King. You can't have Zazu fold his arms yeah. in ways that... Birds, birds, cannot birds cannot do. But most importantly, as the internet pointed out, you can't have expressive faces. Right. You just can't. Right. There's like your cat showing a human emotion is not a thing. <laughs> but why you get around that is through voice acting. And sure. voice acting on this thing is great. It more than makes up for the lack of expressions to a certain extent. That's why it's uh-huh. so low. Because we like as humans we do want to put ourselves on the screen as we want to do but when you do so such a realistic motion to this like to animals that cannot talk and your basically boundary is their lips will move so they can talk but that's it everything else has to be realistic is such a crux that it does at times feels like it's crippling the film yeah but other than that, this is a technical achievement up the wazoo. I hope it wins all the technical awards. Up the Zazu. Up, up the Zazu. <laughs> and I hope it wins all the technical awards come Oscar season I and everything sure else. I'm sure it will be in the running, certainly. Well, yeah, it better be nominated at least. <laughs> Alongside Detective Pikachu. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Uh, my second film. Number four. Number four is... Frozen 2. Okay. So you laid the groundwork for Frozen 2. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. This does kind of tread the point of, does this story need to be told? <laughs> um, because, you know, growing up, we had a lot of direct-to-DVD films. Even Toy Story has a lot of Toy Story shorts that yeah. they do that are either for the holidays, direct to um, Disney Channel, or put in front of other films. And it's like, okay, so we still get like Toy Story Adventures, but do we need a Toy Story Adventure here? And it's like, eh, okay. But do we really need a Frozen Adventure? Because I know Frozen is their cash cow. Yeah. It's like, do we need more Frozen? And yes and no is kind of what we ended up with. Yeah. Yes, we need more Frozen because we want to continue adventures with these characters. And yes, because this is a film that clearly establishes a groundbreaking point within the story's lore that it's telling that right. needs to be told on a big screen. But also no, because 
We were happy at the end of the last film. <laughs> we were satisfied with that just being it. And then they lived happily ever after, kind of being the end story of it. Yeah. It didn't need to be told, but what they were telling, I enjoyed, I liked, I understood. Yeah. And I had a good time at the theater with it. Uh, you are right that some of the songs definitely don't quite work. I think over time it may get there. But just because Frozen soundtrack had such a long longevity of being ingrained in a lot of people's vernacular. Yeah. That it's going to be tough to have Frozen 2 get the same highs as, yeah. as it did. No, you're right. And a lot of the, the adoration from Frozen comes from that it was the only thing for so long in that universe with those characters. Mm-hmm. And so it was seen over and over again and beloved because of it. So yeah, I don't know about the shelf life on Frozen 2 and we won't know until it happens. So. Right. I mean, Frozen as a brand is not going anywhere, <laughs> but the Frozen soundtrack and film is kind of in this big unknown for now. Yeah. It is into the unknown. <laughs> yes, yes it is. And it's stuff like that where people if right. people can work that kind of vernacular <laughs> into the common day. Maybe people will remember the Maybe songs. maybe it will have the same success. We will certainly see. Uh but that brings me to my number three film. Okay. And it is a little shocker on my film because if you had me to the beginning of the year where this would be, I'd say not on my list, not on my radar. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay. But I'm talking about Aladdin here as my number three film. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, when Will Smith was announced as the genie, I, like most people, went, what? Huh? You sure about that? And then they showed people, showed it, uh, the visual trailer, and I had pretty much the same reaction most people had was, you're trying too hard to be like Robin <laughs> Williams here. Yeah. You're, this is clearly so much ham. That this should come out on Thanksgiving. Uh, but <laughs> I went and I saw the film and I had a good time. And as is my ruling, if I want to see it again, mm-hmm. that's a sign of a good film. And I wanted to see this thing again. Okay. Will right. Smith knocks it out of the park with every scene he's in. He acts circles around everybody else in this <laughs> film. Every time he's on screen, he's fun, he's wacky, he makes snide jokes, the animation is amazing, mm-hmm. the, um, that whole scene in the cave of, uh, what's, what's Wonders? The, the, yes, the cave of wonders. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm trying to think of the uh, musical number. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the way you phrased that, I was like, the cave of, like, wonders? <laughs> yes, I know it's in a cave of wonders. <laughs> Uh, no, the thing I've never had a friend like me. Uh, yeah. That whole sound, that whole musical number is fantastically done, and Will Smith clearly the right choice for this film Apparently. because he has the comedic chops, he has the acting, the singing, and especially the charisma mm-hmm. to pull off such a non-believable, believable, non-existing believable character yeah. in such a way that made it his own. And, as most people would admit, had the better film between that and Lion King. Sure. In yeah. terms of what had people talking and what people were yeah, where enjoying people it. Yeah, people actually cared. Yeah, people actually cared about it. And yeah. 
like I said, Sign of a Good Film is I want to see it again. Yeah. And this is between like these three films. That would be the one. That'd be the one I would want to put on TV and watch again. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. Um, stories like yeah, Jasmine has the one song in there. Right. Of uh, uh, the, the new Speechless song, um, which not for me, but as I found out later, definitely for other little girls who. Took to that song, which I found out later, and just like adored the hell out of it. it was like, yeah. well, clearly they found that audience and they know what they're hitting for. So, yeah, not for me, but definitely for them. Sure. Uh, let that bring you to number two. Okay. And that would be Spider Man Far From Home. Okay. You're talking about films I want to see again. I want to see this film again. It has some of the best special effects I had ever seen. Mm. Um, and that is even going up against The Lion King. It had a great segment dealing with Mysterio. It had a great end cap to the phases of the Marvel Universe. It had a great end cap of bringing in, basically closing out the Tony Stark legacy and what it means to take on mm. that mantle. What exactly is Tony Stark's legacy right. away from what we see as an audience into everyday people in the MCU of how they view Tony Stark because as patronage of watching these 22, 23 films we see Tony Stark as basically the Iron Man god that he is but to others he basically screwed over a bunch of people throughout the years that we kind of you know, push aside because he's the hero but to them he's not the hero, He's the villain of their story. Yeah. And so it definitely put, like, everything into a different perspective, not seen. And I was really interested and happily surprised that they went that route. And it's molded its way into a great story and a great cliffhanger, which makes me excited that they brought uh, Spider-Man back into the MCU. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Uh, but Yeah, I mean... Yeah, just, I want to see this film again. I think I did see this film twice. Because <laughs> it's that good. And, yeah, that's the sign of a good film. Yeah. But, my number one film. Uh-huh. The film I saw not once. Yeah. Not twice. Yeah. Three times in theaters. So, the Kingdom Hearts 3 of movies this year. Oh, but it wasn't just that. Because <laughs> I watched it streamed. Uh-huh. I watched it streamed again. Uh-huh. It's the first thing I streamed. On Disney Plus uh-huh. is also the only thing or the thing I streamed with commentary on. Uh-huh. So I've seen this film what seven times then, I eight guess. at least Something since it like came that. out. And that is of course Avengers Endgame. No shocker here. Yeah, that is no, the number one of film on my list here. Uh, Avengers Endgame is also my number one overall film this year. As you laid the groundwork down before, it is a Great end cap to these 23 films of the MCU. It sends everyone in a big send-off. I do think the three hours is enough time to run through everything because mm-hmm. it is a beast of a film. But it is. each act has its own setup and payoff before it gets into the next act. And it's all very compartmentalized but flows so well between each scene and each character interaction and how it yes they deal with time travel but they set up their own time travel rules Mm. to set up the multiverse and how there's a lot of setup and payoff as 
the time travel is also an homage to those who've been paying attention and enjoying all the films that the MCU has brought us. Yeah. It's what Infinity War did for a film and it being a great standalone film, Infin- er, Infinity Gauntlet, because that was originally going to be called, uh, Avengers Endgame <laughs> is the perfect end cap in terms of an overall film. Something that ties up a lot of the loose ends. Something that is an ending to encapsulate basically the achievement of these past 10 years. Yeah. Which in itself is a gargantuan feat of heading towards a comic, a legacy story comic book that many deemed unfilmable. Right. And having it in such a satisfying way that it is atop the box office, the top of. A lot of people's minds and hearts and a crazy task money. that they somehow accomplished. Yeah. Uh, hats off and yeah. dollars all to Kevin Feige for pulling it off. And like I said, I listened to the commentary and a lot of it was like, oh, like we had this initially, but we had to change it. We were going this way, but we had to change it. It's just a lot of it evolved over the course of not just the production, but of course over the course of the years of what they needed to accomplish what they wanted to get done and it was such a momentous film that it's my film of the year wow there you go yep but let's a film well before we do that let's talk about some honorable mentions real quick so we saw 25 films over the course of the year okay or I saw a bulk of 25 films over the course of the year I just wanted to mention real quick uh, as my just two two other movies I saw Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, Captain Marvel, as we had previously talked about, that was out this year. Yep. No, like I said before, I thought it was fun, but inessential. Um, and uh, Star Wars, which we saw last week and talked to that death about. Yeah. Um, initially, I had Star Wars on my franchise list, uh-huh. but I had to take it off because of what I saw. I mean, yeah, like I don't think it, if it was making a ranked list, it wouldn't have shown up on it anyways. But I just want to mention it. Because it is a huge movie that came out this year. Mm-hmm. But what other movies would you like to mention? Other movies I'd like to mention. Um, Dragon Ball Super Broly right. was a yes. film that came out in the beginning of the year. was a remake uh, by Akira Toriyama of the Broly character. And in the Super Universe, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mm-hmm. thought it was a great reintroduction to a character most of us had seen. But... You know, it's also kind of a retelling of a character a lot of us have seen, just only to make it canon this time. Sure. Uh, a, a movie that came out this year that I think you might have seen, uh, but forgot about. Maybe. The Lego Movie Part 2. Oh, I did see this. <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah. Must not have made much of an impact. No, it didn't, especially <laughs> not at the box office either. That too. Uh, we also had uh, The Unicorn Store by Brie Larson on Netflix. Uh-huh. Uh, Detective Pikachu, Rocket Man. Oh, did you know there was an X Men film earlier this year? <laughs> oh, yeah. Dark Phoenix. I forgot about that. It was also earlier this year. So was Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh-huh. Men in Black International. Uh-huh. That was the summer film that came yeah, and that went came to and nothing. Really went, yeah. Uh, let's see, Yesterday, Spider-Man, Lion King, Once Upon a Time, Blinded by the Light, there we go, uh-huh. that's another one I saw, uh, It Chapter 2, Oh yeah. Uh, I saw, but didn't have the same love that I had for It Chapter 1, 
mostly because while it was telling the story, they shoehorned the hell out of putting those kids back into the story uh-huh. when it didn't need to be. But because everyone liked them from It Chapter 1, that they felt like they needed to somehow put them into It Chapter 2. Yeah. It just, uh, it, I won't say it ruined the film, but it definitely took me out every time they did that. Yeah. And then finally, the last film is that we haven't talked about is Joker. Right. Uh, which we did bring up. It did come up. <laughs> it, it came up, but then again, it also kind of went because... I, I didn't care for it. It, just, it didn't tickle my fancy. It wasn't a film that I necessarily looked forward to seeing. But then even when it did come out, it was like, uh, who's this exactly for? Am I supposed to be rooting for the hero? Am I supposed to be sympathetic for him? Am yeah. I... What, what is the point of the film you're trying to tell me? Because at the end of the... At the very end... Spoiler alert, he's locked up in Arkham Asylum, and yet, did all this really happen, or is this just a story that may or may not have happened? Because I feel like he would have been drawn and quartered and in jail, not in an (laughs) asylum, had any of this actually happened. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't know, It's, it's weird, yeah. People either love that thing or hated that thing. Right, I mean, like, if you look past the flaws, and there are a lot of flaws, uh, because it does play with uh, the idea of what is real and mm-hmm. human emotion and a lot of um, mental health, which is also the point, but also, I'm here to, like, have a good time <laughs> or have a story being told, and if you can't do right. one of those two things, yeah, then, then you take me out here? of the film. Yeah. What, what's the purpose of this what, thing? What's happening? What's going on? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that, that's my whole stick on it. Alright, well... Has there any other films that we didn't see but just came out? Oh, films that just came out that we didn't see. Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, I heard it was bad. Uh, John Wick, Chapter 3, Parallel. I haven't watched the first two. How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I haven't watched the first two. <laughs> the Secret Life of Pets 2. I hated the first one. Uh, was Shazam this year? I believe Shazam was this year. Yeah, Shazam was this year. Uh, Aquaman rolled over. Mm-hmm. Glass was this year. Mm-hmm. Ford vs. Ferrari. disappointed by that thing. Yeah, I, I only heard things about Ford vs. Ferrari from dads. <laughs> yep. Same. Dads love that movie. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Downton Abbey film was yeah, also this yeah. year. Moms love that movie. Uh... Alita Battle Angel? Ugh, yeah, I heard some rough things about that one. Uh, good Boys? I Hustlers? I heard that was. Yeah, yeah, I heard Hustlers was good. Uh, Annabelle Comes Home. A Medea Family Funeral. Yeah, that happened. Zombieland Double Tap? Uh-huh. Angel Has Fallen? Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Uh, Terminator Dark Fate? Uh, some people cared. Abominable Dora the Explorer? Midway? Uh, yeah, those are movies that existed. <laughs> Pet Cemetery, <laughs> What Men Want, uh-huh. Ad Astra, Yeah, Jiminy Man, Isn't It Romantic? <laughs> Ma, yeah, what? Oh, <laughs> here's one that came and went. Rambo Last Blood. Oh yeah. Like I, I got a better one. 
Okay. The Angry Birds movie two. All right. Yeah, that did happen. Uh, Last Christmas. Doctor Sleep. Long Shot. Yeah, these are all movies. <laughs> Death Day to You. Uh huh. The Art of Racing in the Rain. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Stuber was also this year. Oh right. Forty-seven meters down, uncaged. Oh yeah, the sequel. Hellboy. Uh huh. The reboot. Uh, Ugly Dolls. Oh yeah, I saw, I saw Ugly Dolls. You saw Ugly Dolls. <laughs> Not in theaters. I saw a DVD copy of Ugly Dolls. In my defense. <laughs> okay, here's a purely good question. What made more money, <laughs> Ugly Dolls or Shaft? <laughs> Shaft was also this year. <laughs> I'm gonna say Ugly Dolls made more money than Shaft. Shaft by one million dollars. Ah man! What made more money, Ugly Dolls or Charlie's Angels? Charlie's Angels. Ugly Dolls. Ugly Dolls <laughs> by three million. Wow! What a weird year. What made more money, Charlie's Angels <laughs> or Palms? What? Charlie's Angels or Palms? Pongs? Palms. Palms? The, the, yeah, the grab the old the old age ladies who do, do cheerleading that came out the same time oh, as Palms. Avengers. Palms. Uh, Charlie's Angels. It did more, yes. Okay, we. I'd love to play this game, but we need to wrap this podcast up. I'm, I'm trying to find like the worst film that I know came out this year. Uh... I think the last one I want to put up here is Jexy. Oh, gross. Which made $6.5 million. Yeah, that happened. Okay, we need to pick a movie to rule all movies. Oh, well, it's going to come down to two. It really is. It's, uh, it's either Endgame or, Endgame, Endgame or Knives Out. And my opinion is, is yes, I think Endgame is a really good uh, one of those Marvel movies. It packs a lot of good closure to an era of those movies. But it is too long. And it's not even my favorite Marvel movie. What is your favorite Marvel movie? I still think Black Panther is better. Okay. So I lean more towards Knives Out. First first of all, I feel better celebrating an original non-Disney film (laughs) as our film of the year in 2019. Even as, well, like, even though considering that Endgame pulled off a thing that we didn't think they were going to be able to pull off. As quality of a product as Endgame is, I still think Knives Out was a better time at the movies, had better acting, had a better story, and was just back to front a whole lot more fun to watch. In my opinion. See, I agree with everything uh-huh. you said, but when it comes to having these two films in front of me, which one would I rather see? Uh-huh. Knives Out. I will pick... Nine out of ten, nine out of ten times. I'll me. pick Avengers Endgame. Really? Nine out of ten times. We've seen it so many times, though. And I would see it again, which is why I am in love with that film. I want to make babies with that film. See, I've seen Avengers twice, and I still want to see uh, Knives Out. Next. See, I'm not disagreeing with you. I yeah. enjoy Knives Out. I'm just saying, between the two films, I have more of an affinity, more of a love 
more of I want to see for those ah moments. I still cry every time Captain America catches the hammer because <laughs> it brings such joy to me. I still cry when uh, at the very end when Falcon comes out and says, on your left, when all the portals open up and everyone comes out and he says, Avengers assemble. It is an iconic cinematic moment. And I think maybe part of this is is that you have a lot more affinity for this world and these characters I, than I do. I have a lot more time and yeah. thought. You and were bringing your baggage into this film, whereas I was not. Yeah, you're I right. I was boarding the plane without a carry-on here. Basically, like, all right, just cruising through this. My rose-colored glasses are an entire <laughs> Iron Man helmet at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and that is fair to say. No, it's fair. And like I like what it did and I like how it ended this those stories and I like what it means for the future of the franchise as well. It's just it's yet another franchise film in a year dominated by them. In a decade dominated by them. This was the Marvel decade. Nothing may, like was in the zeitgeist more movie-wise than those Marvel movies. And it just gets so tiring for me. And I just want there to be a new, bigger thing at this point. And I'm glad that they're good. I'm glad Endgame is a good movie. Because if it wasn't, it would be a lot easier to write this off. And the well, fact yes. that we're even having this conversation means that I haven't written it off yet. Right. And, I mean, if, if it had done what Rise of Skywalker did... There would be no question that Knives Out yeah. would have been the film of the year. Yeah. but And the thing is, is like Knives Out is promising for me. It's a reminder that even in a decade and era dominated by these franchise films... In a, in a decade... In a, in a year yeah. where Disney topped the box office week after week after week. Right. And in that era, we can still have a movie like Knives Out with a genuine talent behind the camera... That is making an original story that, sure, is a reference and pastiche of a certain genre of film. But that does that in a completely new, inventive way that's fun, that's full of life, and somehow, on top of all that, captures a zeitgeist of the culture of this year. I just want to celebrate that. Like, the fact that we can still have that in an era where every other movie is a superhero movie. Yes, okay. I'm, I <laughs> That is 2019 to me, is what I'm saying. It is the representative of 2019 because it's the kind of film that I want to see in 2019 and going forward into the new decade. Yes, but in terms of film that literally encapsulate what 2019 was, was. Was, sure, yes. It would be it is in-game. Endgame. It is Endgame. Endgame is the thing that's like, oh yeah, no, this is... The culmination of everything that's happened this Right. Uh, what do you think of what you did in 2019? It was, oh yeah, Endgame came out. I don't know if I would say that, but yes, some people would say Most that. Most people would say that, yes. I don't know. And like, like I get it, but I just can't, I cannot in good conscience put my stamp of approval on an Endgame, even though Infinity War got this treatment just two years ago. The uh, last year. That was last year. That was literally last Jesus year. Jesus Christ! No, last Jedi got it two years ago. Oh my! Which brain. is also a Ryan Johnson film. Yeah, I know. See, so yeah. Ryan Johnson got it Johnson twenty years ago. Or Avengers. Or Endgame. Or yeah, it, it was last Jedi. Ryan Johnson in twenty seventeen. Yeah. And then twenty eighteen was Infinity War. Yeah. 
So here we are at an impasse between both those basically sequel-ish. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think we're, yeah, we're, we're at a standstill here. Okay, well. <laughs> Alright, so I'm just going to call it then. <laughs> by arbitrary decision here. Uh-huh. Coin flip. Coin flip. Do we uh, have a coin? I do have a coin. There's no side to that coin. Yes, there is. <laughs> and also, I didn't call anything. Where's <laughs> an actual coin? Oh, um, no, I, I called it in the air for us. It landed on uh, Knives Out. Okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> you happy? That's the way you want to do this. You happy? Knives Out is our, our film of the year. Good. It deserves it. No, Damn it. <laughs> no, I think, yeah. At the, at the end of the day. You know what? What the hell? This is our. This is our. Coach Champs? Yeah, this is our podcast. This is our podcast. Let's just have a tie. In the spirit of you having two lists. In the spirit of me having two lists. We can have two victors here. Okay. I'm okay with rewarding both of them. Because it is. It is the best of 2019 in what it was, which was chock full of overlong superhero epics. And what the best of it was, which was the... Gem, the the gems underneath that, the uncut gems, if you will. Oh, no, so we did not see uncut gems. No. Also, the Irishman was on, I guess, <laughs> Netflix, but right. But what I'm saying is, is that, that like I think they're both representative of the year in the like what was the mainstream hits and what was the the word of mouth hits. Well, no, yeah, because it was here's Disney dominating the box office clearly, yeah. but Knives Out basically represents all the other films of right. Independent artists the other great making stuff happening, good stuff, boiling under the under right under. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they can be co champs. Really, the two best movies of the year. All right, so we're giving it to Knives yes. Out and Endgame, Avengers Endgame. Endgame. All right, and that's our films yes. of the year. Thank you for joining us for this film wrap up for 2019. That does it for the four main wrap up episodes. But wait, there's more. We have one special. Wrap-up episode left for you that will be on the last day of 2019. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, where we will do a final wrap-up of... In what is a tradition of... Yes. A continuing tradition of our episode zero, first episode, however yeah. you want to label it. Sure. Episode zero. Uh, we will be doing an end-of-the-year wrap-up of everything, basically... That we didn't cover. That just happened in the year. Yes, yeah. we'll probably talk about Avengers. Yes, we'll probably talk yeah. about some stuff from music and video games. But yeah. But for the most part, it's just the things that happened in the year of 2019 that was. Yep. And that will be um, taking place on Wednesday in turn of our normal scheduled broadcast because yep. January 1st is on Wednesday. So yeah, catch us Thursday... For the first episode of our regular show for 2020. Season 5. Yeah, season 5 premiere of the Media Boat Podcast. So. I, I may or may not have a special surprise in store for that. <laughs> well, don't surprise me. Tell me ahead of time. Uh, I will. Surprise <laughs> for the audience. All right. Well, we'll be back then um, in those coming days, so stay tuned. Unless you're in the future, and this has already happened, in which case you can listen to it right now. Right now. Bye. Bye.